And welcome back to Ready, Set, Review, your favorite podcast for movies, comics, and pop culture. I'm your host, Anthony. Oh, we added the pop in that time. Oh, yeah, a little And I'm Matt. Uh, and we are excited because we are here at the brand new A Shared Universe recording studio. And yeah. I have to say... It's wildly impressive. I love it. I I really do. It's just it it has the same feel as a normal a shared universe. It's just I think that the use of space is a little bit better. I think it's just awesome. I like the single table setup. Yeah, we've got a single like, table setup. Well, it's always a single table setup, but all on one side of the table, I mean. Like, yeah. I, I really like the way this looks. Yeah, I don't want to look at you when I talk to you. No. I can already hear you. I can so. look at myself in the in the the uh, camera thank you <laughs> that thing with the picture and the, mo the moving pictures you know what i mean uh welcome to ready set review for cutting edge commentary <laughs> given to you by matt magnifico um so this episode we are here to talk to you about the greatest movie ever made ever in the history of cinema literally what i said coming out of the, the theater <laughs> uh Spider-Man No Way Home. And Man. in case you didn't know, in case this is your first time listening to an episode of Ready, Set, Review, we are going to spoil everything in this yes. movie. Yes. So if you haven't seen it, turn it off now. But also, if you haven't seen it, it's been out for over two weeks, just kill yourself. If you have not seen this movie yet, <laughs> like just kill yourself. Yeah, what are you waiting for? This is this is the most talked about movie Uh of the year, third, I feel. Yeah, th third, uh, third fastest movie ever to reach the billion dollar mark. Yep. Um, the first one obviously being like Endgame and probably Infinity War is the second one I would imagine. Yeah. Um, third fastest to reach a billion dollars. Uh, enemy of the podcast, Dan Tucker, told me that he saw this movie the other day on like a Tuesday night. Um, and oh, so two weeks after being released, still sold out. Like he got the last like two seats available. Like that's that's how amazing this movie is. is. You've already seen it three times yourself. Like I, have, I was just gonna say, I, I've seen it three times now, and I went yesterday at two forty-five in the afternoon. Now this is a Thursday, or excuse me, a Wednesday in the middle of the afternoon in Hazlitt, New Jersey. Sold out. Yeah. Sold yep. out. 2.45. Yep, and the movie Incredible. has every right to be. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about that, and we're, we're also going to talk about uh, Hawkeye today as well. Um, yes. So where, where should we start, Hawkeye or Spider-Man? Well, I think we should start with Hawkeye because I think it'll be a shorter conversation. Yeah, because we <laughs> the last last episode we got through episode four um, of yes. Hawkeye, so there were two yeah. episodes left, episode five and six. Uh, first thing I'll have to say is I'll eat, I'll eat my crow. I was wrong about... Uh, Kingpin not showing up. Yeah. Um, I was wrong about that, yeah. uh, that he was the guy that, you know, uncle or whatever is Kingpin. He was the uncle, yep. That's However, that being said, the reveal of Kingpin, of him being uncle, the way that it was done in episode five, and especially the way they handled it in episode six, sucked. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I, I didn't really, I, I thought he was thrown in. I thought it was fan service. It didn't feel natural. It didn't feel important to the story. It just, it felt like he was just sort of an afterthought. Yeah, like, and don't hey, get me you wrong. Know would be cool? Let's throw in Kingpin. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I am over the moon that Vincent D'Onofrio is back 
playing the part of Kingpin and officially now in the MCU. I'm beyond excited for yeah, the possibilities course. that this is going to lead to in the future. Yeah. But this was not the right time to bring him in because everything in the first four episodes of Hawkeye that we had seen you know, with with the exception of their their silly, you know, fanboy hints of like, oh, the the big man who doesn't like to yeah. be seen in the public eye and he likes to keep a low profile. Really? He likes to keep a low profile. Meanwhile, in the final episode, he's ripping car doors off in the middle of a crowded Manhattan street, like yeah. wearing a goddamn Hawaiian <laughs> shirt yeah. and a white yeah. suit. This is not a man that likes to keep a low profile. Like it just, you know, so all of the I, I, I get the, you know, when I go back and I look at it, again i see all the little hints and i see all the little easter eggs and like i understand it but from a story perspective it does it it does it does not and it did not make any sense to have kingpin play the part that he played in this show yeah i didn't understand the hawaiian t-shirt i loved it don't get me wrong i loved like i, I thought it was did great you, i mean yeah it was just a little you know i mean a very white suit he had the walking staff a little bit more the- like you know Comic accurate, and so the diamond, the diamond walking staff was awesome. Right, like, that was very, very cool. Right, and it's like you know, there's there there have been uh, you know instances in the comic book where he's worn that Hawaiian shirt, you know, so it is kind of like a comic accurate thing. But again, it of all the different outfits that Kingpin has worn, that outfit, as much as I loved it fits i think the least with the tone of hawkeye it it, it just he was sticking out like a sore thumb and it just didn't work for me you know what did work for me though anytime florence Pugh was on the screen dude she is incredible she is absolutely incredible i i love her to death she's so much fun she's so entertaining her character was just perfect she played the role so well like i loved everything about it i I could i could watch i could watch an entire trilogy of movies of her and Haley steinfeld the them on screen together were the best moments of the entire series the scene where she's making macaroni and cheese oh my god they're having that dialogue was just incredible she's like oh i made mac and cheese like like let's before we fight and i kill you like yes let's sit down and have some mac and cheese first and even their their fight scene (laughs) in the final episode where it's like you can tell that she's going easy on Kate Bishop's character, but it was still like, she was just like, ow, that hurt, you know? Like yeah. just, it, it was, it was like cheesy, but funny and it worked. Like their, their, their interactions, their chemistry was so perfect. And it, for me, that was like the standout of the show because Haley Steinfeld also had incredible chemistry with Jeremy Renner yes. throughout the entire series. And that story closed out nicely. Um, and even the the Yelena and uh, Hawkeye story that closed out nicely too. It just the hawk the I'm sorry the Hawkeye the kingpin thing is just it stuck out as so unnecessary and so it, it, I mean it's obviously just done to set up you know uh, the the Maya Lopez Echo series that is series that has already been announced. We know their history in the comic book, so it just it felt like a setup and it delivered like a setup. Like there was yeah. no other reason for him yeah. to be there other than to set up future stuff, which fine, I guess. But to be honest with you, I felt that way about the entire show really. So one of the, the, the see that I disagree with, well, but go one on. Of, one of the, 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 the problems, but also cool areas of where we are right now in the Marvel cinematic universe is that, it's existed now for almost 14 years. So we're getting to the point where, well, not 
Not counting Spider-Man. <laughs> no, oh, baby. So, so, but we're getting to the point where, just like in the comic books, like they always want to do, they have to they have to pass the mantle. Right. Right. So, you can't always have the same person for twenty years playing the same character. You know, like it just it just doesn't work. So you have to have, especially in a superhero movie. I see where you're going with this. So you have to pass the mantle. And I think that that's what Hawkeye did was that the whole show was a setup for the new Hawkeye to be coming in, right? And and having that Hawkeye be Kate Bishop. So you're right about that, but the difference when I say setup, I'm talking about setup like the way that Eternals was a setup, where like the like Eternals, you you Eternals cared you cared bad. yeah well that's what I'm saying but like so but it was set up a lot of other cosmic stuff in the MCU but in terms of what actually happened in that movie I didn't care about any of those characters right yeah. so the setup right you know yes you're right they're setting up uh, Kate Bishop as the next Hawkeye but everything that led up to that was fantastic between her and Jeremy Renner and and Kate Bishop and her dealing with her mother. The Kingpin setup felt just, here's Kingpin, bam, you know, yeah, like, just, yeah, there you go. Like yeah. it, it just, it just, it came out of nowhere. I, I just wish that he wouldn't, he, he had almost too big of a role in the That's episode. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. If they had left him as just like, oh, he is uncle, and it was just like a cameo, and he like walks into the room, because I, I feel like it, it takes some of his heat away. Yeah. Right? With the way that they beat him up and he really didn't seem like he gets beat up by Kate Bishop and Kate Bishop's not even like that much of a superhero. Well, to be fair, she shot an exploding arrow in his face like, you know, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but no, but but you're right. Though. I mean, the <laughs> see what people forget is that because I, I went back and I started rewatching the first season of Daredevil. OK. And what people forget about move. what made you fall in love with Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin in the first place is the mystique, yeah. right? And unlike the way they did it in Hawkeye, where you get three and a half episodes in before you even, halfway through the series, before you even think that Haw that that Kingpin's a possibility, with Daredevil, you know it from the beginning, but he's, yeah. his, what Daredevil does so brilliantly is that his presence is felt in every scene, even though you don't physically see Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin to like the sixth episode of 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 Daredevil, but his right. presence is felt so prominently through characters like Wesley and all the stuff that's going on with his thing. Whereas in Hawkeye, you have primarily the tracksuit gang, which were yep. fantastic, great comic relief. Yeah. But in no way, shape, or you, form did I ever feel threatened no, by the tracksuit gang. You also, you, you you need those just kind of like beat up henchmen right? no no I, but I, I mean, agree that's but very comic book no I agree but I'm saying though but like that's why Kingpin's presence didn't feel like Kingpin be yeah. was because it was mostly just a bunch of cannon fodder <laughs> uh, henchmen you know like <laughs> yeah you know so the, it's again I'm very excited for him to continue to be there um, it's going to be great in the future but this did not work for me oh and I was right about swordsman yeah. So, just completely wasted. Well, I don't know if he was wasted. He just wasn't the bad guy. He was a good guy. He but, was a good guy the whole time. Okay, like, so so you mean to tell me that it made sense for his character to show up at this swanky 
party in the final episode wearing a goddamn hilted sword at a black tie party when there that wasn't the theme. It wasn't like there was a theme. There was it was just a regular black. He's the only person carrying a weapon visible to the public. And all of a sudden, like, yes, it was awesome to see him come in and start kicking ass with the sword and like be a bit of a good guy, but like why is he the good guy? Like, was he a shield agent? Was he like, he just all of a sudden is like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm going to fuck these guys up for you. Like, it just, it was cool, but so terrible at the same time. Yeah, it it definitely, again, it, it felt like a swerve for the sake of it being a swerve. But yeah. the one thing that I will say is that um, having gone to a few black tie parties with the wealthy elite, uh... Nothing is out of style. So if somebody walked in with a sword, probably nobody would would think twice about it. They'd be like, oh, you're just an eccentric kind of billionaire. You're just, you know, you're just one of those guys. So, like, it just, it happens. Right? Yeah. But when you so, have that much money, nothing is out of style. I want, I want them to bring his character back in somewhere and do his character justice because I love the actor. I thought he played oh, Tony the part. Dalton. Yeah, he Tony played Dalton the part very amazing. well. Yeah. And I want them at some point, I mean, I guess they kind of hinted at the fact that Hawkeye's wife is probably Mockingbird with the watch, with the shield logo. Yeah. Which again was like, it ended up, they made it seem like it was going to be a big plot point and it was like literally just an Easter egg. Yeah. A cool Easter egg, but an Easter egg nonetheless. Like. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Because does this now definitively make Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. not canon? So, okay. here's is, all Is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now taking place in another universe? So, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the first four seasons, five seasons, whatever, whatever season the Ghost Rider season was, everything through that season with Ghost Rider, with the Darkhold, which we saw in WandaVision, that is definitively canon i don't care what kevin feige says because you can't have certain things that happen in the mcu that are still considered canon without agents of shield existing such as the helicarrier that shows up at the end of age of ultron that was built by by uh uh phil colson and his team like that you know there are certain things that are affected in both universes that are definitively canon the issue with agents of shield was that after the ghost rider season they kept on thinking they were going to be canceled and so they sort of made it like the Ghost Rider season was originally supposed to be the last season. Right. OK. And then they got renewed and then they were like, oh, OK, now what do we do? And that's when they started to go off book. So everything right. after that, the next three seasons, five, six and seven um, are, you know, you can you can do some mental gymnastics to make them work in canon. They reference stuff. They reference like the snap and things that are happening. But they're by and large much more. I'm sorry, much less connected than the first few seasons were. For sure. But. I will die on this hill. The first, I, I can't. Again, I can't remember. It's four or five seasons. Whatever the Ghost Rider season, those are canon. And anybody that says otherwise just simply has not seen Agents of Shield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. Um, and I mean, there's no nothing to say that there can't be two Mockingbirds. Right. right? Exactly. Because if they, even if there was one in Agents of Shield, okay, well then. Uh, you know, Hawkeye's wife is the other one. Right, because, I mean, she's, you know, her name is Laura, which, you know, yeah, Laura, it, it could just right. be a, a cover name, right? She could be right. Bobby Moore's. But as we know from Spider-Man No Way Home, the it, multiverse, it could, yeah. it could easily be. So let's talk so, about the main event. Well, yeah, so Hawkeye was, was it really good? There's just one question when we're going to talk about Spider-Man is when does Hawkeye take place? 
Like I can't, you can't say that it happens in the same year as Spider Man. It just, there's I think no you way. can. The, I think you can. The tree came down in Hawkeye. Spider Man is seen whipping next to the tree. Could be. I think it's a year later. Before. I think I think Spider-Man happens a year later. See, I don't think it does because the Spider-Man No Way Home starts definitively the moment that uh, uh, Far From Home ended, which right. was right after the snap. So five years after. So 20, uh, I guess it was, was 20, 2018 was Infinity War, right? Yeah. So 2023 yeah. is when uh, Far From Home takes place. And No Way Home picks up immediately after the end of Far From Home, so you're still in that same year, five year after the snap. They make a point in No Way Home to talk about Halloween decorations, so at least we know at some point we're in Halloween. The only thing that's unclear is how much time passes between the end of the movie and that final scene. Is it that same Christmas as Halloween from earlier in the movie, or is it the whole next year's Christmas because they destroy the, the Statue of Liberty, the Captain America thing, yeah. in No Way Home. Right. But in Hawkeye, it's already been rebuilt. It's so, yeah, been, maybe, it's, maybe it is a year later. Yeah. Like, Hawkeye is a year later. Yeah, that's interesting. I Unless they rebuilt that shit really unless, fast. Unless they happen in the same year, but then uh, Spider-Man swinging... Like a- after he's made his suit, that scene is a year later. Could be. I I, I really think it's end scene is honestly. Is I really think I really think that it's just. I think it is the same year. I think sp- that last scene we see of Spider Man swinging over the tree just simply takes place before. Because remember, the Hawkeye takes place over the course of a week, right? You know, right. so it could just be a few days before. Right. You and Spider Man like, is essentially one day. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 literally there's one. a lot happening in, a, in like, yeah. like two or three days. Well, depending on the well, no, there's more because um, like from the beginning, like we just said, it's, it's Halloween and then kind of goes through, you know, it's definitely a few few weeks there. Right. A lot of and time then, elapses with the... Um, well, like the main storyline. Right, exactly. Once right. the storyline gets going yeah. with the, the spell, that's only a period of a few days. Yeah, because, I mean, Doctor Strange at the end says he's been floating over the Grand Canyon for 12 hours. Which right? is so hilarious. You, you think that the whole story is taking place over this, you know, yep. essentially 12-hour window, <laughs> you know, which is cool. I mean, it's amazing to think that they can come up with and create cures in a high school chemistry. All right, so let's go. Let's talk about because, okay, yes. Was this the greatest movie of all time? Yes. Was it the most daring movie of our generation? Yes, it was. Was it was it an incredible use of characters, storytelling, and licensing properties from the past 20 years? Yes, it was. Was it a perfect movie? No, it was not. Yes, it was. <laughs> no, yes, it was. Not. Yes, no, it was. There Spider-Man is Spider-Man is def- did not do well. Like what? So So, okay. Everything about Doctor Strange makes him look like a like like a noob. Like he's he is not the Doctor Strange that we know. Like he's easily bested by Spider-Man, which okay, fine. But not easily and in the mirror dimension. And he seems to be afraid of Wong where he's like, I I feel that they can turn this around and they can really do this well. If in Multiverse of Madness, uh, Doctor Strange discusses how unfocused he has been since Wong has since he found out that Wong became the Sorcerer Supreme Um, and and how how 
off his spells are because like he does like the narcissist thing throughout the movie where it's clearly his fault. He doesn't take the time. Like Peter is changing the spell mid spell. And instead of just stopping the spell, stop casting, right? Let me figure out what it is that you want. And then I'll recast the spell in the beginning of the movie. Dr. Strange is totally okay with not knowing who Spider-Man is right at the end of the movie. It's all of a sudden he's like crying and he's like me and everyone else who cares about you. Right. Well, 12 hours ago, you didn't care about him. So because he left you hanging over the Grand Canyon for 12 hours, now all of a sudden you're in love with him. That is the dumbest argument I've ever fucking heard. What are you you're, talking you're about? You're complaining about the fact that Doctor Strange is was a, a, a narcissist. He's not a noob. He's a narcissist. You, I, I like your point about how Wong being the Sorcerer Supreme maybe throws him off a little bit. Everything, Every time we've seen Doctor Strange in any MCU property, he's a narcissistic asshole. Remember how selfish he was in Infinity War? Yeah. Like He knew the fate of the universe was hanging in the balance, but he was more concerned about the Time Stone because from his perspective, Thanos wasn't the real threat. He's this is perfectly in line with his character. He's a complete narcissistic asshole. And maybe, you know, I looked at it as like maybe he's like, yeah, I just needed a, a little bit of a fucking break after five years of the snap or whatever. Because the one thing that I found interesting um, that I kind of took from Hawkeye that um, that we they never really touched on. But I kind of apply this to all the people that were affected by the blip now okay. is that okay. um, the people that were affected by the blip. They didn't know that they were gone for five years. For them, it was a split right. second, it's a right? Split second. So it right. makes so it's not like Doctor Strange had like five years of introspection to like change the kind of person that he was. He got blipped as a narcissistic asshole, and he came back as a narcissistic asshole. So yeah. he was the same exact person, basically. Yeah, but now he's a failure. So he used to be so successful. He used to be so good. That's because he screwed up one spell. Well, no, 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 because he's no longer the Sorcerer Supreme. But he even said that's like on a technicality, like somebody had to yeah, be the Sorcerer Supreme. but it's, it, it obviously is affecting, because he's like afraid of Wong, like he doesn't want Wong to know, like well, anything. That's, and like, that's just like being the boss, though, that's just like a hierarchical relationship, like the Sorcerer Supreme is the Sorcerer, like he's, yeah. like Wong is his boss, of right. course he's afraid of him. Well, he, so, have you ever gone from being a boss to being a lackey? Yeah, okay, so I get what you're saying, like, but it's like... It's definitely going to mess with your brain. Okay, this is just like your argument you made on <laughs> Cannon Fodder, where you were complaining about how action stars walk away from explosions and don't get injured. No, like, you said you focus on the most star. minuscule shit. Like, in no way, shape, or form does this take away anything from the movie. You are absolutely insane. Okay, so... Does it take anything away from the movie? No. Okay, but, it, like, the whole describing of the spell and how it works, like... So... So, it's magic. Right. And he doesn't really understand what is messed up about it. Right. You 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 can't you can't go into like this is this is not like like Lord of the Rings where like there are a lot of like the the magic elements have like a really specific plot point like like Gandalf coming back from the dead and shit like that like there it's intentionally vague for yeah. the purpose <laughs> like it's not really fully understood like even even when you read the comic books there are uh, tons of instances where the or Doctor Strange as a sorcerer supreme will tell you like I don't know what the fuck this is like I like the the, yeah. the 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 knowledge is endless like it's one of those things where you never really know what's going to happen so like you're harping on the wrong thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just just one of one of the 
small and, and like again is it's the most amazing movie ever created so in order to find anything wrong with it you have to nitpick right yeah, and so you don't have to nitpick same thing you don't have to nitpick it's unnecessary it is unnecessary so same thing with sandman same thing with electro right why were they brought in did they know that peter parker was spider-man electro sure didn't uh you know debatable if venom actually did uh, yeah, and again, you're sticking too far. You can't think lizard, about like lizard never died, right? So they they use this general term to describe it, and then doesn't really fit. Okay, so but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that means so, nothing. Let's go to the beginning, right? To your but to your point though, see, you just destroyed your own argument in there. You well, literally just arguing. you literally just said that Doctor Strange didn't know what the hell he was doing. Correct. Yet somehow we need to stick to what he said he knew he was doing about oh, the spell. No, 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 so I'm he clearly. Sure, yeah didn't know yeah I'm, again i'm saying it's an indicator of that he didn't know what right. he was doing yeah yeah i hate you <laughs> <laughs> what else is wrong with this movie please nothing, tell me nothing good nothing it's a perfect a movie absolutely nothing, <laughs> nothing else is wrong at all uh, i heard you mention the high school chemistry lab like that is a hallmark of spider-man like ingenuity oh, of making shit it's, out of which nothing is, which is great i love it like and like look any scene with the three of the spider the three spider-man on on scene together like on screen together was just absolute magic yeah the best the best was being in the theater and and getting the like when we when we saw Endgame in theaters right the crowd the crowd popped you know with the on your left oh. right and then the crowd pops when he picks up uh, the when the cat picks up Mjolnir, yeah. and then the crowd of course pops when he goes Avengers Assemble, right? Yeah. And there's a little bit of pop when Captain Marvel shows up, but that was yeah. kind of it. Three, four, yeah. maybe max. Yeah, there was more of like a ooh right. when Captain Marvel showed up. It wasn't like thunderous applause, dude. No less than a dozen times was there thunderous applause seeing this movie in theaters. Yeah, and I I think that's one of the biggest things because, um, and I know that we talked a little bit about this on Cannon Fodder, but um, I think that Spider-Man No Way Home made going to the movies fun again. Mm-hmm. This is this was this was an event. It it was exciting. There was huge reveals. There was it was incredible. There was high amounts of anticipation. There was incredible delivery. Right? It, I mean, they absolutely knocked this out of the park, and it made going to the movies fun again. Yeah. Like I went to see The Matrix this week in the theaters, and or last week rather, and it was packed. It was packed. I just and I didn't ex- I didn't expect that. Like yeah. Except the Matrix wasn't as good. no, the Matrix was nowhere near as good. But and that's exactly what I'm saying is that I think you people, still had fun. Yeah, I had a great time, and the movie theater was packed, and it was fun to see it in a film in a in a theater full of people. Yeah, and it just it made it. it Spider Man made me remember why I love going to the movies. Why yeah, I love going to the theater. Why you know I will wake up or, or sleep you know, all day just so I can go to a midnight or 1 a.m. showing of a movie that I'm anticipating. It just, it made going to the movies, it, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. There was just, the the theater was electric is the best way to describe it. Yeah. And it, you know, the, the first pop you really got was, well, I shouldn't say the first, the first wasn't a pop, the first like, oh, fuck moment you got was when Aunt May died. 
Well, the first pop was Doc Ock. Every time there was somebody new on screen, you like that's true. That's they, true. They pop for Doc Ock. They pop for Green Goblin. But those were th- those were less of like surprise pops because we yeah. knew those in the like people. Yeah, people cheered yeah. and got excited. But like the first time, I mean, when Aunt May died, like oh. the the crowd got. Si- I mean, you we're already silent, but like hear a pin drop. Yeah, because because they they totally faked you out too. You know, because she stood up and she. I mean, she gets impaled by the glider or hit by it. You know, and then she stands up. No, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. And then there's like a full like 30 seconds elapses before she just sort of slowly falls over. And then you're like, oh, like, yeah. oh, my God, are they going to do this? Like, you know, or, oh, my God, they're doing this. They're killing Aunt May. Like, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that's why they didn't kill Uncle Ben, because they knew they were going to kill yeah, Aunt there is May. No, there was like, no Uncle Ben. Fuck. Dude, it was so it was so brutal. It was yeah. so brutal. And then. That was one of the things I loved about this. Well, I mean, I loved everything about this movie, but this movie hit every single emotional button you could possibly hit. Oh man, the jokes are so funny. <laughs> the jokes land so well. Like, you, like one minute you are laughing hysterically, and then the next minute you're crying because Aunt May is is dead, and they do the fake out on her death just to draw you in. Yeah, like such a brilliant piece of filmmaking and storytelling where they fake out the death, where she stands up and she's just like, "Oh yeah, I just I just got knocked on my ass." Right, you know, because you see her get hit, yeah. square on with the glider, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. she's definitely dead." And then she stands up, and you're like, "Oh no, no, no! Oh, oh she's yeah, cool. Okay, she's okay." And then all of a sudden, she collapses, and you're like, "Oh no!" Oh, it was oh no, such a kick in the dick. Yeah, it, it, you knew it as soon as she said, "With great power, there must also come great responsibility." And they got the line right. It was so good. They got is, the line right. Is that how it's said in the comics? In the in the very in the very first comic, yes, in the very first appearance of Spider-Man, Amazing Fantasy number fourteen or fifteen, yeah, um, 15. with uh, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. That is the actual line, and they. Actually, they make jokes about it. They've made jokes about it over the years where other people say it, and like Spider Man will correct them. Like, no, it's actually must also come. Like, everybody always gets that wrong, you know? Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, because I mean, uh, let's be honest, with great power, also, with great power comes great responsibility is, is catchier, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, so that's is. why they, that's why they go with it. But the original line was, yeah, must also. Um, but then, so I mean, like, the, yeah, like the, what I love about this movie too is that they, the villains, with the exception of the Green Goblin, aren't necessarily out and out villains for like the entire movie. You know, like they kind of come in. They're, they they really play on the fact that they are all confused coming from different universes, right? So Doc Ock, you know, thinking about you know the the power of the sun and the palm of my hand, and Electro being like the energy here feels different, right? And Sandman not knowing where the fuck he is, just wanting to get back to his daughter, right? Oh, the dinosaur talks, you know, like just yeah. And then like Green Goblin's the only out and out villain, but even him they pump fake you with the whole thing at the beginning where he's with Aunt May at feast, and then like you know he kind of goes bad again. And yeah. and uh, I I did I not as one on the record on the podcast I called the Doc Ock face yeah, turn. You absolutely did. I will give credit where credit is due. You you called not only the Doc Ock, you called Venom only being a cameo at the end, um, and having an after credit scene. Um, what, there was oh the Andrew thing. Garfield oh, save. Oh yeah, 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 and the Andrew Garfield Dude. save, which we'll get we'll get to yeah. we'll get to that. Um. All right, so, yeah, so the first big pop, Alfred Molina, right, getting a chance to see, you know, him, I thought he was brilliant, I thought he played the character incredibly well, he was a little bit more over the top than in Spider-Man 2, um, but that's okay, it just felt like his character was dialed up a little bit, and the nice thing, like you said, 
this movie really focused on the story, and the story was saving all of these villains. Yeah. Right? Because that's what Spider-Man does. It's the most Spider-Man story ever. It, like. <laughs> it, it, because that is what Spider-Man does, is that he tries to save people, and he does everything in his power to make sure that he can try and save people. And that's that's what this was all about. So, like, yes, does, you know, do the Spider-Man fight the Sinister Six? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little pretty bit. Pretty much. But is that the focus? No. And that's why it's great that you don't need to, like, put in backstory for any of these villains because you already know it. Right. And so you're able to focus on the real story, which is so much more of a Spider-Man story. But you know what, though, too? Like, even though you're right, they didn't need to focus on the backstory, they still did, though. They, like, took the time to, like, really kind of flesh out. Like, the, I think, I think the villain they probably gave the least amount of time to was probably uh doc connors but like they spent a lot of time talking about like where electro came from and like kind of what his you know whole where his whole headspace was at right and like the green goblin like they 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 spent more time than i expected them to because yeah to your point we know who these villains are you know we we know their stories we've seen them in other movies we don't need a whole lot but even then they they get just a few minutes and it worked. Like it worked for every single one of them. And I and like to yeah. your point about Doc Ock, I like how they kind of changed a little bit. Like like Jamie uh, Jamie Fox was completely different than he was in uh, Amazing Spider Man Two. Yeah, but yeah. I'm okay with it because it worked. Right, because it was a different. It's a different power, right? It's right. like that's why it's yellow instead of blue. Right, right. Energy and when he different. first when he first shows up, he is blue. But then he very quickly becomes yellow, which is so cool. Yep. It's just because he's like absorbing the energy from a different universe. And it's just, I I think the two biggest uh, characters in this movie that I was really not expecting much from, uh, one, Jamie Foxx, the other, Andrew Garfield. And I, I, I am now, because of this movie, I want to see both of more, more of both of them. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see more of Jamie Fox. I want to see more of Andrew Garfield as Spider Man. Yeah. So, so let's talk about getting into Andrew Garfield a little bit here because up until you know about it's pretty much the midway point of the movie, it's only one Spider Man. No Spider other Spider Man have shown up yet. And, I, and I'll be honest, I was still I was fifty fifty the entire time on how much they were going to swing for the fences in this movie. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really certain if they were going to bring back um, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. And boy, was I wrong! And thank God I was wrong. Yeah. Um, but you know, up until that point, right? That remember that remember that first like you said to me in the theater, you kind of like leaned over that first fight scene between uh, the Green Goblin and Spider Man was like fucking brutal. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was real brutal. Like like it was so hard hitting and so angry and so gritty that it was just it didn't feel like a Marvel movie. Yeah, like, it felt. I felt like I was in the Netflix, the Marvel Netflix world all of a sudden, like watching Daredevil and Punisher. Yeah, I mean, it got real gritty and real dark fast. Right, and that's when Aunt May died at the end of that fight. And And then you see the comic accurate Green Green Goblin flying away, which was, it's again, just 
just an exercise in subtlety, mm-hmm. right? Where he's wearing the purple sweatshirt, a hooded sweatshirt. He looks like a homeless dude. He's got a brown jacket on top of it. He got, got it from a homeless guy. That was yeah. the best part. <laughs> you have no, like, you, there's no way you see it coming. And then when he gets on the glider and everything is all ripped up and he's got the hood up, you're like, <gasps> yeah. It just looks so good. And the fact that they break. The stupid mask that he was wearing. Oh, so happy with that. So happy with that. In the very first scene when they break the mask, I was like, yes. And I really like, I really like the little. Um, Easter egg you get with that a very subtle callback to the classic Spider-Man cover with the where Spider-Man has the suit in the garbage can walking away in the down the alley Spider-Man right. no more that scene with Goblin and the mask a very subtle callback to that scene I thought was pretty cool yeah very 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 um, a subtle callback I, I thought it was awesome as well seeing it done with Green Goblin um, I also think that it's also a callback to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man yeah exactly because he literally does that in I, I think it's Spider-Man 2 and 2 yeah we lose yeah. that Right. You, you lost your powers at existential crisis, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Dude. Oh, man. I, all right, well, hold on. We'll yeah, get yeah, there. yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. So what's great about this movie is that it's like, it's, it's like they took, like, filmmaking 101 and just like took all of the way of like about like the best way to tell a story because it, it brings you like we're at the midway point in the movie right now with that fight with the Green Goblin and Aunt May dying. It's about the midway point and you're like it, the movie's been fantastic at this point so this is one thing I, I, I just want to call out quickly. Oh yeah. This movie even before the other Spider-Man show up is already an incredible movie. Yeah. Like it, it's already an incredible movie. Everything else we talked about is so fantastic up until this point so now you're at the lowest point possible. Yep. Aunt May has just died. Spider-Man just got his ass kicked. The villains have all turned on him, even after he had already helped Doc Ock, you know, get the fucking chip out of the back of his head. Yep. And then you go to uh, Ned and MJ, and MJ's waiting to press the button on the box to send everybody back, and they're like having the, you know, just give him time. And then Ned does the, he's got the Doctor Strange, you know, ring, and he's like, Bring me Peter Parker. And he opens up the portal and right away, and this is the first biggest pop you got from the crowd because you see down a dark alleyway, all you see is the big white eyes of the Spider-Man mask and you know right away it's not Tom Holland and it's not Tobey Maguire because only Andrew Garfield had the big eyes and the crowd just got collectively hard. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah, because Andrew Garfield's had those giant eyes and he like. He his suit kind of looked like a Q-tip. He had his head was like really big. He had those giant eyes, and his body is just really skinny. And a lot of people say that he's just he's too pretty to be Peter Parker. He's too good looking. Um, I think he is great. I think he made a, a very eccentric Peter Parker. Uh, you and I both talked um, about going back and watching the spectacular Spider-Man movies. And Amazing Spider-Man. Or excuse me, yeah, amazing yeah. Spider-Man movies. Sorry, you're you're amazing. Yeah. No, say it. You're amazing. You're amazing. No, you're, amazing. <laughs> you're amazing. That's it was such a good scene. Yeah. Um, no, but we went back to to watch them and and like. I liked him as Peter Parker. Yeah. But yes, was he different? Yes, he was very different. It was a very different version, right? And it, it wasn't the Spider-Man that you know and love. And especially now that we know it's from another universe, it makes it so much right. better. Even it makes it, I, and I just, any, he, any time that Andrew Garfield, like I really feel like the screen time that he was given with this movie, he really he brought it like he, oh yeah he came he came to work and he really wanted to showcase his talents and abilities the scene where he's talking about 
not saving Gwen mm-hmm. is such a small scene, and he delivers it with such power. It is it's overly emotional. I was emotional watching him watching it on. It was it was amazing. I mean, it literally took my breath away. Yeah, dude. I you know yeah, you're right. We, we've talked about this before. I've always said that the problem with the Amazing Spider-Man movies was not Andrew Garfield. It was the no. writing and the directing. Yeah. He was just given a shit, you know, lot um, in terms of a story and and what they were trying to do with his character. But he he was always always one of my favorite Spider-Man scenes ever. Will always be the scene. Well, well, two scenes actually. The the opening scene of Amazing Spider-Man two, um, where he's where he's uh, uh, fighting the Rhino and the you know the the car chase scene or whatever. Oh, like, yeah, such a great it's scene. A great scene. But then the 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 first time you see him in a Spider-Man suit when he's still trying to hunt down Uncle Ben's killer and he's in the back seat of that guy's car and he's like, you know, if you're gonna steal cars. You probably shouldn't dress like a car thief. And every time the guy tries to get out of the car, he web- he keeps on webbing the door shut. Nope, nope. Try it again. Try it again. No, no. You, you almost got it that time. And then the guy pulls out a knife and he goes, "Oh no, my only weakness, small." And he just and he sh- and he's laughing as he's webbing him to the wall. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. "Like just some of the best shit ever." He yeah, was so that, good. That is that is Spider Man right there. Yeah, like, that's so good. And like, don't get me wrong, Tom Holland does that the quippiness really, really well. That's one of the things that I think Tobey. McGuire did not do very well right. at all. He was just way too serious of a Spider-Man. Right. Um, whereas both Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland, they are both, they're very funny, they're very quippy. I actually think that Andrew Garfield does it a little bit better. I think I think um, Tom Holland is eccentric, he's very high energy, he's very like manic. Right, he's a little immature. Yeah, he's a little immature, but he's not quippy and right. I, i'm excited to see where his character is going to go and and as we will talk about toward, more towards the end will he still even be spider-man yes um yes he will uh so then so andrew garfield shows up everybody's theater everybody's oh dick is hard in the theater gosh, even if you don't have a dick exploded. your dick is hard like i knew and then, Kobe would be there i did not know andrew exactly he was the wild card that was what i said too i was like if they're gonna bring anybody yeah. back it's gonna be toby i was suspect on andrew and then of course once we saw andrew we knew that he said he, he does ned does peter parker and then yeah. bam and 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 i loved the way that they introduced Toby just in his street clothes yeah. because they kind of make yeah. you they they make you they make you sit there and think like fuck are they is it going to be just like old man Peter Parker am I actually going to get to see Toby suit up and like they make you think for like a half hour and then finally <laughs> again Andrew Garfield's line he goes I know you got this whole youth pastor look going here he's like but he's actually planning on suiting up and he goes Psh, and he pulls the yeah, he pulls and the, and you see that you're like, like yeah. the whole theater just like dicks got harder ripping through pants like <laughs> dude I was just I mean it, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't contain myself. Yeah, it was really cool. And the fact that you see you're looking at Ned and he's trying to cast it in front of him. He ends up casting it behind him and so Toby Maguire comes in from behind Ned. Yep. Man, it's just so good. It was it was so well done. It just and then that first scene, yeah. you get to see all three together where Spider-Man, where or the MCU Spider-Man, Tom Holland is moping on top of the, the building or whatever. Well, that's like I, such I, a great scene. I mean, it's just so powerful. 
And he's like, and Tom Holland is just at the end of his rope, and he's like, I don't care. Like, I don't care who you are. I know you're me. I know you're going to try and talk to me, which, you know, like, I get it. You know, you fought Thanos, you fought in space, but I'd still be pretty freaked out if I saw three versions of myself talking to me. Well, because remember, he's still, he's a senior in high school in this movie still. He's yeah, still in true. fucking high school. Yeah. So he's only 18, max, yeah, you know? Yeah, like. yeah, so he's still, he is still a kid. Yeah. You know? And then, and then you start to get when all three of them oh, they get into the lab, and then you start to get the, you know, it's just the web. Where, does that stuff come out of you? Yeah, dude, does it come out of other places? Also? That that scene is just, <laughs> I mean, it's pure Spider Man. Like, yeah, that is the most pure Spider Man. Like even when even, they do like the Abbott and Costello bit, like Peter, and they all answer, "Yes, my Peter." What you're, you're Peter? What? Well, it's almost like computer. The, it's <laughs> almost like the Spider Man meme where they're pointing at each dude. Literally, other, that's right? what it was. It's 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 like that. That's, yeah, that's it's. Oh wait, did you mean him? Did you yeah. mean me? You know, and then they build on it. So that's the other thing is that this movie did fan service so well because it wasn't just fan service. It was fan service that built into the story. So even when um, Green Goblin, right, even when Norman Osborn is locked up and he's like, I'm something of a scientist myself, it actually <laughs> made sense for the story. I know. Like, the whole, like, like all of the little things like they threw in advance the story and it, it made sense like it was really great because i'm something of a scientist myself oh great that's right well help me out and then norman does end up helping him out i know i, I couldn't know? i couldn't believe they actually did the meme with it i was i was absolutely dying yeah it was great though it was great and just oh man the the, the scene when they're in the, the chemistry lab is just it's out of this world, right? When they're looking at him and Andrew Garfield's like, uh, and you can tell how excited he is. Like, he is just so excited. Like, even his first scene when he's on screen, he's like, string theory, uh, uh, quantum mathematics. Yeah. He's like, all real? All real? They're like, yeah, all real. I knew it! Yeah, he's like, yes! <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! Oh, man. He's just, it was just so well done. It really... It made me love Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man so much more. Yeah, like, and I, and it made me love him. I I want now to see him in another movie as Spider-Man. Which, I mean, l before we get there, um, let's talk about the 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 end scene, right? So the uh, the fight. Uh, so they they make the cures. J. Jonah Jameson is awesome. Again, uh, you know, how, how can you have a better version of J. Jonah Jameson? You can't. As as this, you know, sort of Alex Jones style. Like <laughs> when he's got the supplements. supplements. <laughs> Man, it's just so well done. He's selling supplements, and he's just the Alex Jones character. One of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, though, is what I have affectionately termed uh, the Blade Runner scene. Um, where it's right after it's it's tears in the rain. Mm -hmm. right? It's yep. it's where Spider Man is just he's broken, he's lost, and he's staring up at that that giant screen in Times Square, looking at J. Jonah Jameson, and it's just and he's in the rain, and it's it uh, it's amazing. It was just a very powerful scene. You've got that awesome Blade Runner scene, and then he you know goes off, and you meet the other Spider Man. 
Um, okay, so he calls into J. Jonah Jameson, which is just, <laughs> just classic Spider-Man. Just awesome. He calls in, video calls, says he's at the Statue of Liberty. Come and get me. Okay. So the villains, uh, obviously, don't want to be sent back to their own world because they don't want to die. So here they come. They're coming to get Spider-Man. Uh Unfortunately, there's three of them, which is just awesome, dude. And then like the, the 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 my back, oh my back. Yeah, and he cracks like, his back when uh, when Andrew Garfield cracks Toby's back, yeah. and then they start talking about you know I love when they start comparing their villains. You know, it's like I had the alien goo monster attached to me, yeah. and he's like I had a, I, I, I fought a guy in a mechanical rhino oh, man, suit. So cool, you guys, cool villains. I've never fought an alien, man. You know. You know, and he's like, "You what? You're amazing." He goes, "Thank you." Like, I, I really needed to hear that. Like, yeah, dude. And then when he goes, when he goes, right, all right. I'm Peter one. You're Peter two. Oh, yeah, I'm Peter, I'm Peter three. Peter I guess. Three. Okay, Peter three. <laughs> Peter three. Uh, and he was just so excited. Like, yeah, the, the meta like, jokes with Andrew Garfield were the best. Well, when he's talking about like it's one of the best scenes. He's like, "I've always wanted brothers." Yeah, like. That's so powerful to me, like, because he 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 really did. They really tackled his his abandonment issues yeah, really well, yeah. really well in the story. Like, that's one of the things when you go back and watch his movies, they really take his him being an orphan much differently than the others. Yep, right, like way way differently. Like it it is so much more important to him to understand who his parents were, who is his real family, yep. how much it affected May when he was pursuing that and when he was looking for yeah. family you know and when it's, oh so, so just the childlike giddiness that Andrew Garfield had was just out of this world and then you know what it reminded me of it, re it reminded me of we talked about this with other movies before like you know Aquaman for example where like you could just tell that Jason Momoa was just having the time <laughs> of his life yes. playing that part. Yes. Like, you Awkward know, bro. like that is what I felt like with Andrew Garfield. Like, you could just see how happy he was to be there playing that part again. Like, he was over the fucking moon about it. Yeah, yeah. And then the scene where, I just, again, the, the joke's like, you're an Avenger? So cool. Was it like a band? Like, yeah, you know, just Toby, Toby McGuire. He's like, that's amazing. Yeah. Is that like a band? And yeah, like, just being a total have, dweeb. But like realizing that they don't have the Avengers right. in their universe, right? Like, like it's so cool because I feel like if you go back and you watch Toby McGuire's Spider-Man, right? The first one, Spider-Man one. Right. So when Norman Osborn first becomes the goblin and he goes to that that military facility, which is also, there's a line of dialogue in this movie where it calls out the military facility. It says that the goblin was flying around there. You see what almost looks like a hammer tech Iron Man armor. Yep. So it's, it's it, and they're like, oh, this is our new, and the, you know, this is eight years or seven years before Iron Man even came out, right? Right. So, but you see this, this hunky, like, armor that's there and green goblin goes and he destroys it wouldn't it be interesting if because there is an osborne there is no tony stark and so therefore there was never an avengers right so because there is a tony stark there is no Norman Osborn because oh, Norman so Osborn does not exist in the MCU right it, it, or, or MCU probably in 616 right MCU 616 right 
No, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like, yeah. Even even Norman, he's like, Oscorp doesn't exist. Right. It, like I have nothing. Yeah, yeah, I have nothing. I don't exist. Like yeah. there is no Norman Osborn here. Yeah, right? no, that's yeah. So it's like it's kind of like an interesting almost like dichotomy between because they're both weapons manufacturers, they're both masterminds, they're, you know, the rich guys that become either a hero or a villain, right? And they're known for being like Norman Osborn in the comics. It, People know that he's the Green Goblin. Right. Yeah, it's public knowledge. Yeah, people knew that he was Iron Patriot, right? Like, it was public It was public knowledge. So let's talk about what might be my favorite scene in the whole movie. Where Andrew Garfield goes, I love you guys. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was so good. No, all right, go ahead. Uh, where Andrew Garfield saves MJ. Yeah. That yeah. was yeah. just... Just perfection, and uh, because the, not only not only not just him saving her, but the fact that when he does, they they take a moment to show his reaction to doing that. Because previously he had talked about how he had lost his you know his Gwen, his MJ, right, and then the fact that he is able to save her in the exact same way that he couldn't save Gwen in Amazing Spider-Man Two, and like what you see on his face, like it's so unbelievably powerful and awesome yeah it's just like that was a, like i i almost teared up a little bit more than that they did when aunt may died I, and again he just delivers it with such conviction that scene yeah where you can even you see his eyes watering up you see how important this was to that character which i mean it's literally a, it's amazing how much character development that andrew garfield's spider-man has in this movie. Yeah. He's on screen for maybe seven minutes, eight minutes at max, right? Yeah, it's incredible. He has more character development than, like, Tobey Maguire did in all of Spider-Man 3. Yeah, and then, he, and then no. you get really, like, you know, the last big the last big fight scene where, where Tom Holland goes one-on-one -on -one with the Green Goblin. That gets brutal again, yeah. and it's so—and he, and he beats the shit out of him. Yeah. And he's about to stab him with his own glider, and that gets so—it was so perfect and so powerful to have Toby be the one to come in and stop him from stabbing— Green Goblin to yeah, death. Yeah. And then, of course, you get the, you know, they, they pump fake you again with, like, Green Goblin stabbing Toby in the back or whatever, and you think, like, oh, my God, is Toby going to die? But, like, they, 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 don't let, they don't linger on that one too much when he's holding up. So he's like, you, yeah. you okay? He's like, yeah, I've been stabbed before. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, and why didn't his Peter Tingle go off, you know? like Well, see, that's one know? of those things, though. Like, but, <laughs> but how do you know that it didn't, right? How many times? Maybe he let himself be stabbed. That's what you're saying? No, because he was still holding the fucking glider up. No, that's true. Yeah. I think one of the most surprising uh, points in that scene is just how short Tom Holland is. Dude, he's... <laughs> Tobey Maguire was literally down on one knee and with his hands in the air. Dude, and, Tom Holland and Tom is... Tom Holland was standing up. Tom Holland's, like, shorter than me. I'm 5'6", and he's, like, 5'5". Five five. He yeah. is a tiny-ass motherfucker. <laughs> he is, a, he is a, a little dude. But the... Oh, oh we got to talk about the, the last big pop... Um, was when they were all swinging together. Oh like, yeah, because yeah. the fight scene starts when they're all kind of getting their asses kicked and like yeah. we we got to do this, and that's, and that's when you get the Peter one, Peter two, and Peter yeah. three thing. Peter three, and they all start swinging together, dude, and they all do the Spider Man poses together. The crowd and again, it's it very much Avengers Assemble, but the crowd just I lost my mind. I thought this is yeah. the coolest thing I've ever seen. It, it really was. Uh, this is the greatest it was, thing ever. It, it, was, it was pretty <laughs> amazing. 
Um, and just, and again, fan service, but done well. Yeah. Like the scene when they are, they all land, like they're like, okay, like it's time. Like, right. Let's go. Yeah. They all do their superhero. Yeah. Land. Superhero landings. Oh, man. And you just see the three of them and then it's like, oh, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Like that was, that was probably my, the giddiest I've been to see any kind of movie. Yeah. And, and the, probably, I've seen it three times now. I've seen it. <laughs> and the other thing that I absolutely love about it is that even so they end up curing all the villains yeah you get to, you actually get to see thomas hayden church and reese fan which i thought was like great or i finally say his last name whatever yeah. um and then they even still end up curing green goblin yes and they all still go back to the universes but it's like it just like the way that it was done showing all of those characters get their cure and get fixed which is very very spider-man because they're all the majority of spider-man's villains his rogues galleries are just you know the reason why spider-man has so many great villains is because most of them are not outright villains they're not like outright thanos villains right well even thanos you can make that argument but like yeah you know what i mean they're not like red skull right right Right. there's nothing like pure evil they all just most people that have been twisted in one way or another kind of against their will, but usually trying to do better in one way, shape, or form, which is why I absolutely loved, you know, the fact that they, you know, when they cured Doc Ock, he came in with the face turn at the end, which was, like, such an awesome scene. Um, and then at the end, it's everybody kind of goes back to their universes when Doc Strange puts that spell on and makes everybody forget that Peter Parker even exists, which that was awesome yeah. because what that set up... So the one thing, you know, we've, we haven't really talked about is that you know, I, I've I've always I've always been a Spider-Man purist, right? Um, for lack of a better term, in terms of what I like to see from my Spider-Man stories, I like street-level Spider-Man the best. Yeah. I like when he's you know when he's uh, he has to make money by selling photos to the Daily Bugle, and he doesn't have a lot of money. He lives in a shitty apartment, and, like money's always tight, and his suit's ripping, and he's got like sew his own fucking suit together, and it's yeah. all this stuff. Like street-level Spider-Man has always been my favorite. I love when Spider-Man's like on you know the big Avengers team. It always works, but the Spider-Man stories, the individual ones, he's best as street-level in my opinion. Yeah, he and, was he was only an Avenger for a very short period of time. What in the like, comic books? Yeah, he's only he, that's he, not he's, true. He's an Avenger for like ten years. He yeah, but he's like part time. He was no, like, he's full time dude all that bendis era stuff that i always talk about from oh that's true yeah you know yeah. New, i mean if, new, if you count the new avengers, avengers yeah, right new you know avengers, like yeah. yeah but anyway so you know i one thing i've always sort of not gonna say looked the other way on but never really like considered was that you know this spider-man he's you know the first time we see him he's recruited by tony stark to go fight captain america in right. civil war right? right so he never really had the opportunity except for you see it a little bit in his first solo movie of doing like the street level stuff right it's always been tied into by and large larger even even his second solo movie was very much tied into the events of other marvel things right everybody's always known it's always been spider-man he's always he's never really had a chance to be a solo hero he's always had the stark tech you know kind of backing him up yep you know we only saw his homemade suit once in the first movie so at the end of this movie now that everybody has forgotten not they haven't forgotten that peter parker is spider-man they've forgotten peter parker even existed which they can only do because they killed all of his family now that aunt may is gone yeah he never really seemed alone like even in in homecoming he's very much overshadowed by tony stark right right in um in far from home he's very much overshadowed by mysterio right and and by nick fury 
being there, right? And like he needs Nick Fury to be there in order to like save right. him. We have now gone back to the way that Spider-Man should be, which is alone. And it's the Where? first time we're ever seeing it in the MCU, and I'm yeah. really excited about that. I, I am too. What I'm worried about is that <laughs> that it's the end because this is the kind of like the key moment, right? What do you mean? Well, because, I mean, you take a look at, at Spider-Man 3, right? And Spider-Man 3 was a bad movie, right? But it set up a lot of things to move forward. Venom as a character, more things with Spider-Man. There's all these things, you know, Harry Osborn both, mm -hmm. you know, dying, potentially coming back because Harry Osborn coming back from the dead is a big story. Yep. Right? There's There was a lot of places where they could have gone with the Spider-Man story, and they did. Right. And it ended uh, with Andrew Garfield. Now, Spider-Man 2, there was so much set up in that movie for where it was going to go with the Rhino. Oh, no, dude, they've already announced they're actively developing Spider-Man 4 already. Well, no, no, no. For Tobey Maguire? No, no, For You're talking about Spider-Man 3 for Andrew Garfield? No, they're actively developing a fourth Spider-Man movie for Tom Holland. Oh, for Tom Holland. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So, like, that's what I'm saying is, like, will how much more of Tom Holland are we going to get? At least one more solo movie and a bunch of other crossover stuff. However, I think that this movie is one of the things that it does is it gives us the opportunity where if Tom Holland does want to take a break from being Spider-Man, he now has that opportunity where he doesn't always have to play Spider-Man if they need a Spider-Man. Like, let's say they were going to do a Secret Wars storyline, right? Mm -hmm. And they needed a Spider-Man. They could bring in Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, to be a part of that story instead of Tom Holland. So he doesn't always have to be Spider-Man. He doesn't always have to be a part of every single Spider-Man story. And any time you see Spider-Man, it now has to be Tom Holland. Yeah, but then you, you can, always have to, like, but if it's going in the MCU property, you'd always have to, like, make up some reason why they're opening up the multiverse again to bring him there. Well, yeah, but I mean, again, it, for, sometimes it's just for, like, the throwaway movies. Where yeah, I guess if it's not If it's not a Spider-Man-specific movie where it's just going to revolve all around to or um Tom Holland. Yeah, but I mean this movie like literally just came out. So we're not going to see another solo spider movie for at least 3 years because we're oh, going to have yeah, not for, we're going to have some long. crossover shit at some time in the next couple years which he will be a part of and you'll get to see that story pick up there. I mean, I just love the fact that the final scene was him sewing his own costume together. It's yeah. a very comic accurate looking costume which I interpret yeah. as being kind of like his within the movie like Tom Holland's homage to the other Peter Parkers that he just met. Yeah, because they always had very comic accurate costumes. And then the one here's the only thing I will say: it took the whole two and a, two hours and forty five minutes or whatever of the movie to get to the one thing that I didn't like about the movie, and that's at the end when he gets into the, the apartment, the dingy little apartment, right? And the, you hear off in the background the guy saying, rent due at the first of the oh, month. Oh, yeah. That should have been the guy from Spider- Rent? Like, yeah, that should rent, have been that guy. Rent. That's the only thing I didn't like about this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would have been that would have been really That would have been just, like, pure stupid fan service, but everybody would have laughed, and it would have been great. Yeah, that would have been amazing. It would have. So, there was an article today. Now that we have we have completed our, our review, it's amazing. Go see it. If you haven't seen it, you definitely should. Um, but there was an article on Forbes.com today. Yeah, Forbes of all places. Forbes. Well, Forbes has actually got very, very good, you know, pop culture stories. But they had a story on Andrew Garfield may potentially have his own solo Spider-Man movie. And not only that, it actually might be Andrew Garfield 
as Spider-Man in the Venom universe. Which it should be, in, in my opinion. In, in Tom Hardy's universe. Yeah. Like, so So one of the things that I was thinking about after I saw it the third time, um, <laughs> one of the things that I was thinking about is the spell at the end, wouldn't it affect the other two Peters? Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't... In what way? So that nobody, uh, nobody remembers who Peter Parker is. No, because no, because that that would then imply that Doctor Strange is able at any point in time, whenever he feels like it, to cast a spell across multiple universes, which could be a power set that they give him. But they've in no way implied that he has that ability. He literally cast this spell. He could cast this spell at any time across multiple universes. No, 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 no. Literally, no, the he, spell he cast. No, he cast a spell in that universe for that universe and for, you know, quote, magic reasons. No, 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 but it, that's it, that's what prevented the other universes from coming to that one. Wait, hang on. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, because the universe was cracking. There were other universes and other bad guys that were coming into that universe. That's right. why we see Rhino, we see the Scorpion, right, but we so, see Black Cat, right, but we so see what, but, the Hunter. So what I'm saying, though, is that, like, yes, by getting rid of people's memory of Peter Parker in the MCU proper, that is, but that's not going to affect Peter Parker's in other universes because he's only casting the spell or he only has the ability to cast that specific forget spell, whatever you want to call it, in that universe. He can't just cast that spell at other points in time, at other points in the universes. He would need to like be in that he would need to be in that universe to do that. Because he's not that powerful. Yeah, but why why do all of the other universes know because they're not like like Doc Ock. Doc Ock was coming after Spider Man, but he wasn't coming after Tom Holland, Spider Man. Right. So he was coming. He broke into that universe only because he wanted to kill Peter Parker, right? Or he wanted to kill Spider Man, right? But it's not because he knew that Peter Parker was Spider. It's because he wanted to, he wanted to kill Spider Man. He had a drive to kill Spider Man, right? But he didn't know who Tom Holland was. So it obviously went across the multiverse. It it obviously was something that had nothing to do with Tom Holland specifically. And the fact that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So it wasn't just that everyone had to forget Tom Holland's Peter Parker Spider-Man. It would have had to make it every Spider-Man, every Peter Parker, across every universe. Now nobody ever remembers who Peter Parker is. See, I don't think that's the way it's going to be, though, because you're, you're yeah, conflating... I mean, like, obviously, it can't be that way, yeah, but I... But it doesn't make any sense for it to be that way, because that just... The, and it, we run into a problem with the story. No, we don't, <laughs> because you're you're picking at... You're, you're trying to say that Doc Ock coming over from another universe is somehow connected to the fact that Doc Strange can also make people in other universes forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Those Correct. two things are not connected. Well, if he can make people know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man across multiple universes... But he can't. Why? That's my point. He did not intentionally... His spell, The side effect of his spell was causing a rift in the multiverse that drew people to... Peter Parker because he was the focal point of that spell. Oh, so you're saying it's like... 
like it, it, it's, it's like protons and neutrons it and was shit. only because it was an accident that it crossed the multiverse and he can't cast a spell across the multiverse just willy-nilly you're saying yes exactly because that so would make him why? that would make him the most ridiculous stupid op person ever hello he's dr strange he's a part of the illuminati like he is supposed to be one of the most op characters yeah, ever in his universe not I across multiple universes which is why i had a problem with him getting beat the heck up by Spider-Man. Oh my all god. All the time. So easily. Spider-Man tooled him. Have you ever read a comic book? Of course. How many times have characters with like level two power grades taken out people like the Hulk? Just because the power grades are different doesn't mean there's no way to overcome the opponent. Read a fucking comic book, man, okay? Oh, You're right. embarrassing don't, me. Don't, don't You're embarrassing me. me. Don't talk to me about the time that Squirrel Girl beat Galactus. Thank okay? you. You're fucking embarrassing <laughs> me right now, okay? <laughs> no, okay, so... All right. So Back to your saying, original so question. You're saying that it doesn't affect the other Peters. No, because because it's if it's only Tom Holland's Peter. Yes, yes, because that that would mean that Doctor Strange. Now again, I just could know they? What the rules are. Could they? What but are the that's rules? that's the point. It's magic. There are no rules. <laughs> that's why it's magic, dude. <laughs> <laughs> my immersion. My immersion. <laughs> oh, God, you're the worst. <laughs> uh, well, th that's well. The reason I I bring that up is because was is it the spell that sends Andrew Garfield? Because like you got to understand, Andrew Garfield doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't have his uncle Ben. Right. Right. He's pretty much alone. He's got his aunt May, although we don't know what has happened to her in the subsequent time. Right. Um. But he's really kind of like alone in the universe. Right? Yeah, very in much his so. Universe. So if they plucked him out of his and put him into Venom, or is the storyline going to be, um, Andrew Garfield? Andrew Garfield was always in the Venom universe. Venom was always a part of yeah. the same universe that Andrew Garfield is in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's when you go back, cause like having having just recently rewatched. Uh, uh, the two Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, and then again having seen Venom two recently in theaters. Yeah, Venom two doesn't there's, give a lot of backstory. Right, exactly. You so can really do whatever you want. With exactly. That movie. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so my point is, there's there's really nothing in any of those movies, especially considering the fact that Venom takes place literally across the country. There's really nothing in either of those movies that could like definitively prevent them from saying these two don't exist in the same universe. Right. I mean, you know. Maybe you would have been like your suspension of disbelief. You want to be like, oh, like Eddie Brock would have known who Spider-Man was when Venom is licking the TV. If Spider-Man is that famous, if he already exists and fights crime in New York City. See, I would even say I would even argue with that after credit scene when he when Venom licks the TV like, he, yeah, he kind of licks the TV and it's like the thing, whatever. But like I kind of t I didn't take that as Venom knowing who Spider-Man was. I just took that as. Uh, a, a logical next step for when Venom decided that he was the lethal protector at the end of Venom 2 and right. all of a sudden the first thing he sees is this guy who's a murderer and he's like oh that guy's a murderer so I'm gonna go be a hero and kill him you know like right. without any kind of context which would be what Venom does you know like yeah and then speaking of Venom the last thing we gotta talk about is the fact that the um symbiote is the now symbiote, the MCU yeah gets left yeah. behind which again I, I'm not even going to begin to speculate what they're going to do with that. Whatever it is, I'm sure it'll be cool, but 
that happened, and I'm yeah. very excited about it. Yeah, I think it will be very cool. Yeah, I think I think it's it'll it'll be interesting to see where it goes, and maybe that'll be the next like Spider Man movie, like Spider Man Four, or is that going to be? I don't know. Is that going to be something else? Is that going to be a, a different movie? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Yeah, it could be anything. I'm yeah. very excited yeah. for all of it. it. It it was just a very incredible movie, very daring, just a wonderful film. Um, so much fun to watch in the theater. It's why movies exist. It's why, you know, movie theaters exist. This is this is the kind of movie that you want to see in the theater, and you want to see it three, four, five, six times. Yep. Yeah, uh, as soon as it comes out on Blu-ray, I want the audio commentary. I hope I, I want seventeen hours of behind-the-scenes extras. Hope we can get a Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, and Tom Holland audio commentary on that movie. Yeah, seriously, that would be the sickest thing ever. It would be so cool. Yeah, I would. I would yeah. die for that. And um, maybe, and maybe uh, Aunt May too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. O- only the Marissa Tomei Aunt yeah. May. Yeah, that's what I mean. The Marissa hottest Tomei. Aunt May. Oh, Marissa Tomei. <laughs> we love you, Marissa Tomei. Uh, well, peace. Thanks, guys, for listening. Check out um, all of our stuff on the Review Podcast Network on Instagram. All of your favorite platforms: Google, Spotify, Apple. I hate Apple, but whatever. <laughs> uh, SoundCloud, all the all the good stuff. Uh, our YouTube channel. We'll be posting this episode, and we want to hear your guys' comments on what you thought about it. Again, I mean, we're already at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, Let us but, know though. Let us know what you thought. Did you like the movie? Did you like? Do you want to see more of Andrew Garfield? Would you rather see more of Tobey Maguire, or is it just? Uh, are you just a pure Tom Holland guy? Yes. And if you comment on. The Instagram post, even though, like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you haven't seen this movie yet, you there's something wrong with you, but maybe not yet. Just spoil it for people in the comments yet, so just keep your, your comments to a non-spoiler. Please. Yes, in the comments, just Please. to be nice to people, but again, go see the fucking movie. Yeah, go see go it. Go see it many go times. Go see it. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of fun with this episode, a lot of, a lot of awesome... Uh, just everything here at the new Shared Universe studio here in downtown Red Bank. Yeah. Ming, thank you for making us sound good and look good as always. Uh, had a blast. We'll see you guys in the next episode. And as always, stay tuned, true reviewers. <laughs>